Hi, I'm Sean K. Reynolds of Montecook Games, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about what makes a good RPG starter set. In the news, we find out what's coming in the Dragons of Stormark Isle adventure in the D&D starter set, free dice and a free supplement available on D&D Beyond, Cypher System gets an open license, the trailer for the animated series Cyberpunk Edge Runners has been released, and more, plus a brand new sketch about unappreciative nobility. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Heavenly Academy of Marital Arts. Ma- marital Arts? This is a family podcast. Even I have standards, and I'm the world's foremost evil wizard. What? Huh? Martial arts. Oh, oh, well, that's different then. The Heavenly Academy of Martial Arts, where you can learn to kick and punch your way out of anything. Hmm. Fisticuffs. I don't see what's wrong with a good fireball. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and... With me this week is... Pete Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a complete delight to be here. And here, descended fresh from the Crab Nebula, it is the one, it's the only, it's the queen of the spaceways, it's... It's it's me, Jessica, from EM Publishing, and I'm confused by that intro. Descended fresh from the Crab Nebula. That doesn't sound like a compliment, Peter. <laughs> I think we should just swiftly move on and just pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Peter, are you still recovering from the UK Games Expo? Are you a little bit tired and uh, out of it still? What can I say? Sometimes improv happens. Um. (laughs) Well, all right. Let's forget about this. So we are, we are, we are, we are back from the UK Games Expo. We We were very, very tired. Yes. And there's no way anyone could have known from last week's podcast that was the case. Oh, that was hilarious. Um, like, wee! Yeah. Well, this, this week's podcast will be a structured and orderly thing conducted with military precision. Of course. Oh, we're going to try something new then. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a drummer and everything. Speaking of uh, military precision and yes. organisation, should we move on to the section that we like to call the hashtag awfully cheerful question? Shall we? Shall we? We're actually going to record it in sequence this time. Oh. All right, then. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, Jess, why don't you first explain what the awfully cheerful question is, then I'll read out the question. Boy, would I want to. So, what we do, we at Ian Publishing have a book uh, that we've made, a tabletop role-playing game, if you will, called The Awfully Cheerful Engine. Mm. And we will give you, on the show, a copy for free of issue one if you ask us a question that we choose to answer on the podcast. And the way you can ask your question is on Twitter by using the hashtag awfullycheerfulquestion. Or you can email us, and every week I forget the email, so I'm going to ask Russ to say it now. Podcast at gmail.com It's such a simple one as well, but I never remember it. Uh, but also, we are on other social media platforms, and I was thinking I might do a video on TikTok on EM Publishing RPG and leave the stitches on for that, um, so you could also just stitch it there with a the little video asking the question if you wanted. Um, stitch it. Yeah. 
It's a. I have no idea what that means. Uh, basically, is this some sort of I wasn't asking. So, to summarise, <laughs> if you would like a free copy of the Awfully Cheerful Engine and your question answered by us on the podcast, as we are clearly experts that know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Simply go onto Twitter and use the hashtag Awfully Cheerful Question or send us an email uh, or on TikTok, reach out. Okay. And so details this, of that will be in the show notes. Yeah. So this uh, this week's Awfully Cheerful Question is from someone called Zed Axis. Mm. I truly believe that is their real name. Maybe Going they're the from the place. Hmm. Yeah, that's where the place where Peter hyped me up from. That's where they're from, actually, it sounds like. The Zed Axis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the crabby nebula deep within the z-axis oh dear it's a place. anyway we have two versions of this question a short version and a long version which one would you like the short one oh short long version. version more detail the better oh well we've got we've got a tie it's up for me to decide so i'm going to go with short version so because <laughs> you have to read it i guess yes <laughs> so the short version is do you have any tips on running a game with many players, mm-hmm. but also frequent absenteeism. Well, I can certainly empathise with that. <laughs> uh, I am very, very, very familiar, and I'm sure every tabletop role player is very, very, very familiar with this particular mm-hmm. situation because mm-hmm. organising tabletop role players into actually playing a tabletop role playing game is a lot harder than actually playing the game. Yeah. Often. Mm. It's like herding cats. Yes, mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way I do it is, if I'm running a game, mm. I have a minimum number of people I run for, which is three. I, I don't like running for two or less. So three is the minimum number of people I run for. Um, as long as there's three, the game goes ahead. Anyone who's not there, we just completely just forget about it. And then they just appear the next week. We don't mention it. We don't explain why. They just fade into the background. They're immune to everything. And... Pop up next week. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's not realistic, but it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you handle the multiple players? As in, it sounds like what was it? Uh, it was a large number of players, like more than six, seven. It sounded like. Let's say you've got a group of eight players. Then. Yes. Which, and on what? And we're saying six don't turn up. Oh, or you got eight, that's but three three don't turn up. Oh, yeah, well, actually, I that's carry ideal. On. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I carry on. Yeah, I carry on. I don't know. It might be yeah. different for different people. I mean, would you? If you had eight players and three didn't turn up, or would you call it for that day? Oh, um, well, I wouldn't take on eight players in the first place. Well, if. It's a hypothetical. Oh, well, the way I would handle a mismatch between a the number of players desiring to play the game mm-hmm. and mixed availabilities is I would move on to the, what is known as West Marches scheduling. So that was the long version of the question where he actually spoke about how he knows about the West Marches version uh, sort of method of play. He was wondering if he had any other tips. But I didn't read out the long version. That's fair. How was Peter meant to know <laughs> so that? You, so there's no way you could have known that. But that was okay. that was the long version of the question where, where he explained what the West Marches version, mode of play was and how that wasn't the answer he was looking for. Okay, which yeah. I guess for people who are like sitting here going, what the hell is West Marches? It's well, so you might as well explain it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I apologise to the listener for not being able to answer your question in the way of other, but <laughs> essentially... If you have multiple players and but one GM, then you allow the players to organise themselves into groups, give you an idea on a map, say, where they're heading, and then you run a session for that group of players. And obviously they can switch between and back and forth, and that's fine, it just works, and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a way to do stuff. I 
have how I, I wanted to run such a game because I feel everyone everyone should at some point or another try and inflict it upon themselves and ended up with a group of players that committed to a regular time slot and a regular time I'm like you have outfoxed me well done but this is not the game <laughs> I want to run <laughs> hmm yeah I think what about anyone... you Jess well, anyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm famously not a GM. I'm more like a, a player. Yeah. yeah, no, I have I have run a game as a GM once. Uh, so you are a GM then? Yeah. Well, I guess. If you have GM, you are a GM. I don't, I don't identify as a GM. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm going to say. But I will be. I'm actually interested. I found some systems that I think, um, the Awfully Cheerful Engine, I think, is something mm. I would like to run. Yeah. And I found some other things as well. But I digress. So, but speaking about regular scheduling, I've had a game that we've been running for four years, the same campaign Ooh. now. And the, I think the way we do that is we have a set we have set dates that we always kind of run on. So we play in person every other Saturday instead of every Saturday because that means people can spend some weekends going away and doing stuff. And because we know it's scheduled every other Saturday for now but until currently the end of time, mm-hmm. but we'll see how long it goes on for in reality. Mm-hmm. Four years is pretty good, though. Mm. Yeah, it is good. Uh, so we know we can, can rearrange that. And also we play on Wednesday evenings online hmm. and that version makes it easier for other people because like one of the players is a parent so they mm. like need to be, it's easier for them to play online at home because the kids can be in bed and they can play downstairs and and so I think it's finding a schedule that works for that group of players and I think it's difficult if people do shift work as well because mm. then having every other Saturday people are like, I don't know if I'm going to be free every other Saturday because mm. my schedule is wild. But I think if you can find some way so that it just is a regular schedule that people know and have in their mind. It's easy for them to kind of make it. Mm. Um, And we have a table of six players Mm. as well. And so what we generally do, if one person is missing, it's kind of fine. Like we had, um, but we did this on Wednesday, a couple of people were going to be missing for various reasons. And so we, instead we just, uh, we were at the point in the story where everyone kind of needs to be there. I think big Mm. stuff's going to happen. So the GM said, I don't want to run the session without them because I don't want to make decisions when they're not there. That will affect their character. So we just hung out and chatted about the game and Mm. shared our conspiracy theories for what was going on whilst the GM sat there maliciously laughing at us because they know what's going on. And we're like, maybe this is happening. Yeah. And they're like, that's, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) That's much better than mine. Is oh, I should write this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 they do well, say they've done that. So yeah. One of the challenges with having missing players, of course, is that you get balance issues. Mm. Now, I personally, if I've suddenly got less players against a fight that was clearly designed for more players, mm-hmm. I'm fairly comfortable modifying things on the fly, so yeah. that doesn't tend to bother me at all. Yeah. But I was wondering how you guys felt about that, or are you more like, well, that's what the encounter is, that's what it's going to be, or are you happy to modify it to suit the number of players? Well, I'd say not as a GM, but from a player being in a game mm. where that has happened, mm. what we did is um, if it's combat and that uh, player was happy, someone else ran their character for the combat. Mm-hmm. Because in combat, it's, you know, you're, you're fighting. It's play. not like you're making big character decisions that are going to affect their story. Mm. Uh, so for that, we say, do you mind... Or, or also a friend that's not in the campaign generally, they're like, oh, do you mind if they come along and they'll run your character for the combat? Mm. And then they've gone, yeah, that's fine. So that means their character's still kind of there. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we've done for that. So, is it? What's the question that you? That was the long version of the question specifically about scheduling, or was it also asking for tips about if you had multiple, if you have a large group, how you run it? Uh, it was more about what you do when you've got players that don't show up. Yeah. Um, well, I would say if you've got that sort of situation, 
um, tell the players that you need a volunteer for one of them to sort out the scheduling because as a GM you have too much on your plate to deal with. There's a lot of things that you have to do and a lot of things you have to think about and trying to do scheduling and being met with signs of red or just generally feeling like you ignored like uh, I, I don't stand for it I get very very arsy to be fair well that's that's what having a regular yeah, yeah. regular schedule sort of helps a lot with that but yeah. shift shift work is is a modern reality yeah, you that's, have to deal with yeah that. that is the thing so but like you know having I mean you as a gym cannot control that sort of thing so get somebody else to organise delegate I'm a big fan of delegation like I have delegated things like keeping track of initiative looking at rules in the book um, keeping notes to the campaign. I'm happy and yeah. have delegated all these things because these are things that often fall to the GM, but I'm like, well... doesn't have yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, I delegate those things as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, delegating the organisation of the game to someone who is keen and enthusiastic and wants it to happen, and then they can push it, and it's like, it's just, it's just like a load off that you don't have mm. to do. And if people don't organise it, then you don't have to run. So, you know, it's sad, but maybe that's mm. a sign that... That game's not meant to be. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we actually answered Zed Axis's question. Well, we certainly answered a question. Hmm. <laughs> I think we did. I do have one more tip, though, which would be right. for if you're hmm. organising a group, is to make sure you have some sort of group chat. Yes. Um, so it's easy. And then on the morning that you're going to be playing later that day, you can do a post be- being like, are we still playing today? Or I'm looking forward to play today. Mm. So that gives somebody the option to actually say, oh, I forgot. Actually, I can't because X, Y, Z. So you can make plans. So mm. you're not sitting there waiting for them to arrive and they not turn up. And I know mm. in in theory, people should be polite and tell you if they're not going to attend a thing. But we all know generally people are terrible. So mm. if you give them the option <laughs> to kind of say something then and give them a prompt, generally that can work a lot better. Mm. Right. And, and group chats are fun because then you can talk about theories about what's happening in the game. That well. Right, shall we move on to the news? Yes. Let's. Okay then. So, so, in the news, let's start with Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, oh. which is the upcoming starter set for D&D. Yeah. Uh, it's coming out in July in North America, October for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm getting very used to this now. <laughs> Getting things after America. It seems to be happening a lot. It's not just yeah. um it's not just physical things, it's things on TV and you know, Star Trek and stuff like that as well. Yeah. It's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Starting to starting to feel a little bit annoying now. Mm-hmm. But at EM publishing we do it the other way. So we're trying to put some balance back yeah, in. That's the, yeah, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Yes. I I I, I got I gotta say that did uh, bring me a certain amount of glee. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, so the table of contents has leaked for Dragons of Storm McIsle. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of say leaked. I mean, what's happened is somebody on Reddit mm-hmm. took some of the promo images and enhanced and zoomed in on them and did that weird sci-fi stuff and then yeah. rotated and then looked at the version in a mirror and kind of managed to work out what the table of contents was, mm-hmm. which I think was very clever. But uh, I think he's... Not exactly new. I think it's pretty much expected that that's going to happen now. Um, yeah, and I kind of think that if Wizard of the Coast puts out a promo image and the information is visible on it, even if it's illegible, hmm. at some point that will become... Yeah, someone yeah. will make that legible. So yeah. it's kind of deliberate, I guess. They're careful about what they yeah, put in those so. images. And it's it's a way to keep hype going. Well, yeah. It's like, yeah, fair yeah. enough. People are keen, so it will happen. Yeah. So what we have here is mm. a four-chapter adventure with no. two appendices... 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an overview and then four chapters. Uh, the four chapters, uh, chapter one, Dragon's Rest. Then chapter two, Seagrow Caves. Chapter three is The Wreck of the Compass Rose. And chapter four is Clifftop Observatory. The Wreck of the Compass Rose. The Wreck of the Compass Rose. Yeah, there's a shipwreck. Okay. You, you're shaking your head. You don't like this? I think it's a terrible name for a ship. But oh, it's just me. Because the Compass Rose is the thing on the map which is pointing towards the north. Mm. Um, but I guess people don't know that nowadays. Or maybe I'm sure care. people do know that. Well, whatever. Maybe, maybe, that's they're, why they it that. maybe like, they're trying to fly under the radar. So, you know, they're like doing the whole Oedipus nobody thing. Not Oedipus. Who is it? Uh, Odysseus. Odysseus. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Different fella. Yeah, yeah. Both mm. um, so, anyway. equally troubled men. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but in different <laughs> ways. <laughs> Anyway, moving swiftly on, swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk about Greek tragedies afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, 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 anyway. The table of contents, um, the chapter one, Dragon's Rest. Dragon's Rest, interestingly, is the name of a second edition Dragon Dance module mm-hmm. from many, many years ago. I don't think that's connected. I think that's just a coincidence. Because if you Google Dragon's Rest, there's a billion things. Yeah. Called yeah. Dragon's Rest. It's not a super specific name. It, it, it's like you, a location. You, yeah, if you throw enough dragon nouns at a thing, eventually you're going to end up with a certain amount of repetition. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so there's a chapters called things like There, There, Owl Bear. Yeah, that jumped out at me too. That was, it's kind of fun. There's <laughs> yeah. a Spark Render Kobold, whatever that is. Hmm. Sounds like a kobold that's kind of zappy. Maybe what they do. <laughs> kind of zappy, yeah. Right, so what they do is they've got a fur coat. And a little nylon mat. They threw the nylon mat down and they shuffle like, around. Exactly, exactly. They shuffle it. You can't see me, but I'm shuffling my arms up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. And then as soon as someone comes to the next, they're like, ah! And zap, there you go. Mm. Vicious static That's... shock. I can yeah. see you, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but the listeners can't. Did, did you think you were invisible? No, Russ, I'm talking to the listeners. I can definitely see you. I, yes, <laughs> yes, Russ, I know you can see. Um, there's also a chapter uh, interacting with myconids, which are like fungus people. Oh, they sound like fungi to be with. Yeah, that's a good old joke, that one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't want to read out the entire table of contents, but we can put a link in the show notes. And if oh, okay. you do want to see the entire table of contents, yep, it's, it's linked right on there. the news digest. Right oh, yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a little little sad that we're not getting it until October. But then again, it is a starter set. It's not really for us anyway. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. It's not something I'm planning to, to get myself. Yeah. Okay then. So, uh, let's stick with D&D for the moment. Mm-hmm. Vecna. <gasps> yes. yes. Mm. So, Vecna, of course, is what they're calling the monster in Stranger Things at the moment. Each, yeah. each season, yes. they just they just give the monster a D&D name. It doesn't no. have any connection with the D&D monster at no. ever. No. But, like, the Demogorgon in the first one was just, like, this two-headed demon thing. It, it's really, how the kids it's got contextualise one yeah. it. It's, yeah. a tri- it's got a trilobe's jaw, though. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, Wizards of the Coast is obviously taking advantage of the publicity mm. of mm-hmm. Stranger Things and the fact that there's like a D&D game in the episode of Stranger Things. Yeah. And it's playing at the Vecna stuff. So you can now get the 5e stats for Vecna. Mm-hmm. This is Vecna before he was betrayed by Kaz, which is who was um, his like, bodyguard, who chopped off his hand and, and chopped out his eye. It's not kind. It's not nice, no. But I think Vecna deserved it. going to get a ding on his performance (laughs) review, I'll tell you that much. He is an evil arch lich, after all. Oh, okay. 
Wait, wait, so Vecna was an archlich and had his hand and eye gouged out. Yes. Has an archlich. Oh, okay. Hmm. Right. right. Um, so he's it's CR26. Hmm, chunky. So you can get this by going on to D&D Beyond. If you're logged into D&D Beyond, you can download it for free. Yeah, it's free. So it's only like a single page. It's like half a page of lore and then a half page stat block. It's not, hmm. it's not massive, but... Um, yeah, CR twenty six is quite, and this is from him before his portrayal. So we still got both hands and both eyes. Oh, this is pre hand and eye removal. Yeah, the artwork's really nice on it. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. D and D Beyond are doing other freebies though. Oh, yes. Because June is Pride Month. There's yeah. a side story to go with that as well. So tell us about the freebie, and then I'll tell you about the yes. side story. Yeah, that seems fair. So they're giving away a free digital rainbow dice on D&D Beyond that you can use um, as a little fun pride month. For those who have used dice on D&D Beyond, how does that manifest itself? How do you use digital dice on sure. D&D Beyond? So on the left, there's the little, like, they look like buttons that look like the dice you want to roll, and then you click right. on them, and then a, an animated dice rolls across your browser screen and right. makes the noise that a dice would on a table. Yes. And it's a, a dice, and people buy digital ones that look a certain way. But it's not a virtual tabletop, so no one else can see these dice, is that? Correct. Yeah. Right, so it's just for you to see yourself. Yes. Yeah. Right. For your own okay. personal enjoyment. I'm not entirely sure I see the appeal, but okay. Yeah. I find it quite irritating and switch it off, because I'm just a killjoy and hate them. <laughs> I quite like I quite like it when I play, because I like the sound of dice hitting a table. And... You could just roll some dice on the table. I mean, Yes. <laughs> you, can, computer, you, can, you can do it you, her Jess, you can have the sound of dice rolling on the table any time you want but on D&D Beyond if I click the button to do my sneak attack it calculates how many I need to do how many dice I need to roll for me or this right, that right. and the other so it's just I click one button instead of holding three dice in my hand which clearly is far too much work <laughs> how, for anyone to do how medieval <laughs> exactly I mean I personally am not a big fan of digital dice and I don't purchase mm. them and have different ones but some people do and appreciate yeah. them Fair so enough, if you right. wanted to have gay gay rainbow dice um, which who doesn't uh, you can yeah. well at least there's if, even if you're not that keen on um, digital dice at least this is a way you can show your support, I suppose. But the reason I said that is because there's a spin on this. Uh-huh. So there are some people um, from Turkey saying that they cannot access these dice. Instead, they get a page on D&D Beyond saying that certain content is blocked in certain jurisdictions oh. because legally, Wizards of the Coast isn't allowed to put that content there. Now, the people in Turkey are saying, that I'm sure that is true in some places of the world. However, in Turkey, we can assure you that there is no law that stops you selling digital pride rainbow dice. Yeah. <laughs> None whatsoever. That would be a very specific law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're kind of wondering what's going on there. Why yeah. are they not able to access these dice yeah. when there is no law yeah. or legislation or anything preventing that from happening? Yeah. That wrong dice, man. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know yeah. what that's what that's about. It might, maybe it's just a mistake. I don't know. But um, it does seem a shame. Yeah. yeah. We but need to sort yeah, that shit out. D&D Beyond have said, you know, that because of the change, there, there will be some content that's regionally blocked. Mm. So I don't know if it's part of that. Because there are some countries where you cannot do anything that vaguely promotes anything yeah, LGBTQ. But, but, Tur- but Turkey is not, not one of those places. places. Yeah, which is why that's confusing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... But still, anyway, that, that that's that's what's happened. I mean, 
I don't think there's anything we can add to that. We don't really know any more than that, do we? It's speculation. Apart from guess, point. guess it why. Yeah. My my guess is it's just somebody just made a mistake and made oh. a bad assumption or something. But I don't know. I don't. Huh. It's the only thing I can guess. Or there's some secret law we don't know about, but that doesn't seem likely. Right. I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about other Netflix series tie-ins with tabletop RPGs? Oh, uh, we can if you like. Go for it. Because boy, I can tell you that cyberpunk's a thing that exists. <laughs> <laughs> what a good segue. How natural it sounded. Uh, yeah, no, but Netflix uh, put out a trailer for Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which mm. is a show coming to Netflix in September 2022. Um, yeah, and it's got a little short clip from the show as well. Um, and that is based on... So the show is based on the video game of Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. And that video game is based on the RPG yeah. franchise Cyberpunk. But... In the marketing of the Netflix show, they don't mention anything about the RPG, so that's a shame. Rude. I know, but that's and and that's the news I have. Yeah. Okay. Enjoy. Okay. Yeah. The show follows characters David and Lucy as they try to survive in the streets of Night City mm. by becoming edge runners, outlaw for hire mercenaries, doing whatever it takes to get the job done. Stuff stuff we do know about and yeah. um, Cipher mm-hmm. System. Yeah. Monty Cook Games. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, this is weird because I thought they already had. Turns out they hadn't. So it only happened in some alternate universe, which I am somehow remembering. But I thought Monty Cook Games already had released a Cypher system over under an open gaming license. They haven't. But coming this summer, they will have done. They oh. did have the Cypher system creator program. Yeah, that's a different which, thing entirely. Which yeah. is a different thing. Yeah. So maybe that's why. Yeah. They released might... a thing for fans to create. Stuff, yeah, or yeah. So oh, yeah. you know um, DM's Guild. Oh yeah, yeah. So lots of companies have their own version of that, also hosted by Drive Through RPG. We have one for what's old is new. In fact, um, you know White Wolf has one. Um, I mean, loads, loads, loads of companies do. Chaosium have one. They're all called different things, but basically structurally, they're all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As DM's Guild, but for different yeah. companies. Yeah. So Monica Games did have and still have one for Cipher System. Mm. Um, but this this is uh, releasing the game under an open license, which means the uh, because with those with those programs you have to release your thing on DMs Guild, right, right. The, uh, when you release something under an open license like this, you can do what you like with it. You can do it on Kickstarter. You can release oh. it in a bookstore. You can you yes. can you know put it into anything, put it into distribution, whatever you want. So this Definitely. is a much it's a much broader. Right, so excellent news for people who are fans of the Cypher system. Yes, yeah. I, know, I thought they already did, but apparently, okay. apparently they don't. But right. they've mentioned um, a couple of existing li- uh, licensees, which presumably they sort of um, talked to before making the big announcement, oh. just to sort of help hype it up. So there's Mystery Flesh Pit National Park. That sounds nice. I thought you'd like that. I mean, that kind of needs to be a Kickstarter in the Kickstarter game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not getting that one. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's basically uh, horror, a horror as a park ranger. Fair enough. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I mean, hmm. anyway, sorry, I'll be quiet. <laughs> well, there's also GM Roulette, which is a sort of fast game where everybody gets a turn in the GM seat. Oh, okay. Which sounds, sounds kind cool. of fun. High speed yeah. troop play. Yeah, and then there's. Blood and Chrome, which is basically a cyberpunk style game hmm. with a the, the cover, the book cover looks exactly like an old nineties not nineties, early two thousands D twenty modern book. Mm. Like so, down so to not, very similar not, trade dress. Not Ooh. Chrome is in the browser then. No. No. Blood and Chrome. Cyberpunk. Chrome is in shiny metal. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Not- yeah. 
So Cypher System has been around for, what, 10 years-ish now? Because Monty Cook launched Numenera, I think it was about 10 years ago, and at the time, that was like the big splash Kickstarter. It made about half a million dollars, which everyone thought was insane at the time. A stupid amount of money. Nowadays, yeah. nowadays you see multi, you know, $2 million yeah. Kickstarters every other week. But Oh, <laughs> bad, bad luck, Monty. Oh, if, yeah. If, if only you thought about it sooner, he could have got some more money. Oh, well, Monty Cook Games did have a $2 million Kickstarter recently. Yeah, yeah. Did they not? The um, uh, old gods of um, Appalachia. Appalachia. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. no, never mind. Yeah. No, it was really good. No, they've uh, definitely embraced the Kickstarter ethos. Yeah, they're really good at Kickstarters, but mm. that's, that's kind of separate to this, this bit of news. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that, because that does mean that, in theory, you'll be able to see Safer System powered books in game stores. So WizKids is doing a couple of things. Oh, right. Tell us about that then, Russ. D&D book tabs. <laughs> I haven't heard about I'm this. Not, tell I'm me. Not like, of course. Tell me more. I've not I mean, heard about my this. It's, it's a pack of 168 tabs oh. to be used with the player's handbook that cover specific subchapters and sections of interest. $8.99. Right. Um... When you say book tabs, the acrylic you... tabs. Um, I'm not. I haven't got a picture of the tabs themselves. When I'm thinking tabs, I'm thinking of those little stickers that you yeah. put on, like the outside of the page. Like yeah, that sort of thing, and then they stick out. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what this is? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Peter can just see my face. <laughs> so is, that is what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, there also, there are also ones for the Monster Manual and the Dungeon Master's Guide. Are they well. pre-labeled for you? Yes. That's something. Okay. I do like organisation things like that. So yeah. Well, I there you go. I just feel I could buy at a stationery <laughs> store those stickers. Well, they do make little oh, tiny posters that are those, those yeah, little... Yeah. 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 And that oh. would do the same thing. But maybe... Do you know what? Maybe I'm missing the point. Maybe this puzzle was, pro- yeah, you know, project was not made for me. Oh, I don't know. Um, Some people like buying things that are official. <laughs> Some people do Let me. Oh, is this an official D and D thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whiskies are well. Whiskies are licensed. Oh yeah. So oh that's, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. I can see someone doing that. So and then what, you what would the, just yeah. use your. So what own... the listeners can't see, Peter has held up a Stars Without Number hardcover, yeah. which has been, shall we say, homebrew tabbed. <laughs> <laughs> is that the way I put it? Well, you just you just gone you just cut up some post-it notes. It looks there. Oh, they, they well, these actually were pre-cut up post-it. Oh, they were right. pre-cut up <laughs> yeah, post-it. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologise. You, you get ones which are about a centimetre across. So right, yeah. um, and I just went write. through and okay. marked the things that I thought I'd probably need to refer to. Okay, um, yeah. So anyway, um, continuing on with WizKids, they yeah. are releasing a load of Critical Role NPC miniatures. You can NPC. get NPCs of Taldore. Mm-hmm. You can get NPCs of Wildmount, Wildmount, however you pronounce that thing. And each of these is $62.99 for the set. Uh, each contains 12 figures. Uh, oh, no, one contains nine. I lie. Um, you know the important ooh. question we both want to know the answer to? Go on, then. Are they painted? They appear to be, yes. Woohoo! Oh, that's... Yeah. That's round. They, they do appear to be painted. Um, I don't really know who the NPCs are. I've got a list of names here fantasy names which I could weed out to you if you wished but I think you know how that will sound yeah I imagine <laughs> if you're a critical role fan you'll know 
These must be yeah. notable NPCs. Katie Shorthouse, Jarrett Howarth, oh, Cassandra no. De Rollo, Jamon Sa Ward, Kern the Hammer, Seeker Asum, Emring, Senokir, Earthbreaker, Groon, Sean Gilmore, Victor, Lady Kima, Allura, Vaisoran. So is that the first name? That's the first name. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the first NPC. I, I should point out that Russ, you have actually seen the first bit of the Amazon TV series, so you do actually recognise one of those names. Well, oh, you would. It was it was a cartoon. Oh, okay. Therefore, so you were I was unable to, to actually see so it. Yeah, yeah. 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 But you were introduced to said NPC. Yes. yes. Said character. Uh, I believe you. Yeah. Let <laughs> it roll those, man. Cassandra. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Right. Enough. Enough. That seems like quite a decent price, actually. About $5 per mini. Uh, especially if they're painted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're a critical role for that, I think it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a no-brainer, yeah. isn't it? Are, are they pretty, Russ? They look quite pretty to me. Very colourful, oh, pretty nice. Yeah. Pretty painted yeah. minis, bargain. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we kind of come to the end of the news, unless either of you have some that I have missed. Um, my oh, Kickstarter funded. I was quite oh. pleased about that. How'd you do? Uh, not not quite $11,000. Uh, which nice. For crafting personalised feats, I was very pleased with. Mm, very nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, we've got right. a Kickstarter, or not a Kickstarter, yeah. an Indiegogo running at the moment. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. we do. So we, well, we mentioned it on the podcast before, so I don't go into mm. it. But Kickstarter are planning in the future to do stuff with blockchain, mm. and some people don't like this. That's a really no. brief summary. We talked about it in previous episodes. Uh, And so um, some publishers are trying out other crowdfunding platforms uh, and we're doing the same thing in publishing. So we do quick starter campaigns, which are two weeks and they're kind of uh, books uh, or PDFs that you can get that go for your fifth edition D&D game. And because it's uh, fifth edition, it also works with level up because backwards compatible. And yeah, so we're also doing them on Indiegogo now because some people have said we don't want to use Kickstarter because of that reason. And so we're like, okay, here's, it is on Indiegogo, so you can still be part of the fun. It is so a, slight, not... a slight culture shock seeing the difference in scale <laughs> yeah. between Indiegogo and Kickstarter, though. Just how, how like, Indiegogo is the second biggest crowdfunding platform yeah. after yeah. Kickstarter. And the difference in scale between just those two is it's, it's a shock when you, when you come to it. Well, we have an audience on Kickstarter and some yeah. people that will look to our games coming out and know who we are and we're, we're known on there. Whereas Indiegogo, we're pretty new. So yeah, mm. like normally our Kickstarter campaigns fund in like the first few minutes on Kickstarter, but on yeah. Indiegogo, it took us a, a full, like, almost a full day. Yeah, yeah. To, okay. to, to, to do that. Um, but it has funded. Which is, oh, it, yeah, has it, has, funded. it has funded. Yeah. But, but yeah, but these are quite low, low funding goals. It's not, you know, so it's yeah. not. It's <laughs> but, mm. but it's um proof of principle. Yeah, we're, we're doing for it on their first ever, second actually. Well, we did one for oh, Ukraine yeah. as well. Everyone. But we, true, we donated right. all the Ukraine ones, so that wasn't yeah. anything you know for Ian Publishing to have. But yeah, so we're doing it on there now. So um, if people want to do crowdfunding campaigns but don't want it to be Kickstarter, uh, we're on Indiegogo now as well, so you mm. can check our things out on there. Mm. And nice. I think sometimes it just takes time to build um, an audience on a new crowdfunding well, platform. So we're, it, it took we're us starting like that process. 15 years, I think, to build our current audience on Kickstarter. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. so to expect them to do the same thing would be ridiculous and unfair. Mm. Yeah. So okay. we're, we're still doing some campaigns on Kickstarter, so we haven't yeah. like moved away from that because I think purely because financially we couldn't afford to do that. 
uh, <laughs> uh, is, is the main reason for that. But we're starting to use the crowdfunding platform. So if in the future something happens and we don't want to be on Kickstarter anymore, we do have that option. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's talk about Kickstarters or crowdfunding projects in general. Um, no. let's, let's, let's do that thing where we each pick one Kickstarter that's caught our eye or crowdfunding project. It doesn't have to be Kickstarter. Just has yeah. to be crowdfunding. Egg Emery's column is an absolutely fantastic one. Mm. Yeah, so every week on EN World, it's called the RPG Crowdfunding News, and it's mm-hmm. every week, and it does a great summary. So if you want to check, yeah. if, if you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on right now, that's a really good summary. Well, let me let me start, start off. <laughs> I am going to mention Incredible Items. Oh. This is for D&D 5th Edition. Mm-hmm. Over 150 5e magic items. Over 100 of them are actually illustrated. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple product. It's just 150 uh, items. It's $15 for the PDF and print-on-demand version. Mm-hmm. So it's a small it's a small Kickstarter. Um, but I think if you're playing D&D, I think magic items and monsters are two of the biggest kind of draws, I think. Easiest things to kind of... Uh, to, to sell popular things. Mm-hmm. So if you want another 150 magic items for your... Um, for your... 5e game first of all by Trials and Treasures from EN Publishing mm-hmm. secondly then by Incredible Items from Alan Tucker okay well there we go <laughs> what about you guys anything jumped out at you I suppose I should point out Gangs of Titan City I was looking oh, at that right now I was going to talk about that but that's fine oh, I, I, I mean I should declare a small a slight conflict of interest in that the person who wrote that Zach Cox is my GM but, oh, are they? I met them on the weekend at the UK Games Expo. I didn't know. Yeah, no, lovely. Um, like my, my my gaming group on Wednesdays were working the stand <laughs> for uh, Soul Muppet Publishing. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So is anyone going to talk about this or not? Uh, well, I'm happy for Jessica to talk about it. <laughs> okay, I'll, sure. I'll I mean. I know, I only know because they contacted me to come on the Not D&D show, but unfortunately mm. Not D&D is now booked for guests up into oh. near the end of July. So right. uh, we already had guests booked, but if somebody cancels, um, they can come on. Uh, but there's only 20 days to go. Yes. They um, have £10,000 of their 15,000 golds uh, at the time of writing. Mm. Uh, so it's going pretty well, seeming as, you know, they're a third of the way through, yeah. uh, over a third of the way funded. Uh, so they've described it as a grim, dark, urban role-playing game with faction-focused, consequence-heavy mechanics from the creators of Best Left Buried. Mm. I don't really—I haven't played the game yet, obviously. Yeah, right. uh, it's powered by but, the apocalypse, I see. Yes, yeah. Sorry. Mm. So it's kind of like the vibe feels like kind of blades. It's very blades in the darky. It feels kind of like in the vibes, mm-hmm. or like Peaky Blinders, mm. or or that sort of thing. And it's like an urban, gritty sort of storytelling thing. And that's kind of the vibe I got for it. And it looks, is it cyber? Is it cyberpunky or? Um. Yes. Very a little right. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is actually. Yeah. You, you you have the punk nature of the rebellion against um, a plutocratic punch of corporations. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that sounds quite cyberpunky. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is actually very much that, and like dystopian futures, criminal oh. stories. So they've they've said that if you're a fan of Necromunda, Fallout, Judge Dredd, or 2000 AD mm. things. Mm. Mad Max or things like that. It's got those sorts of vibes. So right, right. But yeah, yeah, and the PDF is just ten pounds, ten Great British pounds for the hardship PDF. Yeah, the art style throughout. Uh, I believe it's all been done by one person, Ben Brown. So right. that's uh, that means that you have an incredibly consistent art style 
Mm. I, I think it it's not it's not my personal like sort of thing that I'd go for, but it's got very much a right. uh, an OSR style look to it, whilst yeah. at the same time being very heavily into a storytelling and vibes based gameplay. So if that sort of indie role playing is your thing, then yeah, um, I think it's it looks like a really strong contender to be honest. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, Peter, have you got one you wanted to call out? Yes. Uh, well, I, I did have one, but uh, Jessica, Jessica Bagsy did. So sorry. <laughs> um, I will probably take the safe option and the very popular option, and say I am actually quite intrigued by Return to Dark Tower. Okay. That is currently powered by Polymorph, which uh, was also seen in Mazes, which got nominated in 2020 for IGDN's Best Rules, and also nominated for any Best Rules. Uh, Your Hero the Companion. And the thing that I find most intriguing about this is it's a sort of a semi-board game, mm-hmm. in that there is a yeah. central dark tower around which mm-hmm. there's a map. And you also have a set length that the game runs over. The idea is that right. you can complete this whole thing in five to six sessions. So that's obviously like a bit unusual for a role-playing game. So having mm. looked into it in the Kickstarter, you actually get a variety of different villains. So if you wanted to... Right. So it's, got, it's, a, it's a role-playing game with replayability, which mm. I'm, I'm intrigued by, to be honest. Um mm. I'm not not quite sure because there's like there's a lot of role playing games out there. There's a lot. How do you know? Well, that's a true story. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, you should listen I, to Morris's know. official tabletop RPG talk. They <laughs> no, cover this sort of no. thing in detail. I hate I, I, I hate that podcast. Oh, they're the worst. I mean, the hosts. Wow. Oh, Where did I find those people? It's... Yeah, it, it went downhill after Jess Hancock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! That no. was very nice. That was me. That was me. But obviously, I love the show keep on doing it mm-hmm. and it's only improved so I was actually speaking in opposite terms oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah. oh I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> you will be she's like plotting her revenge <laughs> <laughs> oh. hey guys I just got a letter from the king another one what does he want this time? A dragon slain? A princeling rescued? A magic sword recovered? I swear that guy only talks to us when he wants something. Too right. I noticed we didn't get an invitation to his birthday celebrations last year. Huh, but as soon as he needs a goblin incursion stopped, he's all, Hey friends, how are you doing? Now, now, he's got a lot on his mind. If the rumours I hear from his birthday are true, I would imagine that he has. Okay, well, let's open it. I mean, what grisly task does he have for us this time? Right, yo, here we go. I'm a buzz with excitement. Dear friends. Friends who weren't invited to his birthday party. I write to you in this gravest of emergencies. It's always a grave emergency. Oh, actually, last time it was a dire crisis. Oh, and don't forget when it was our darkest hour. Oh, by which he meant his darkest hour. May I continue? Oh, by all means. The accursed priest of the Forsaken One has raised an army of the dead. No imagination, these guys. Yeah, this has to be, what, our fourth army of the dead now? Yeah, about that, unless you count the Abyssal Legion. Uh, are they dead? I uh, Technically, I believe so. <coughs> uh, would you please be quiet? Fine. The Evil One's hordes are but a week's march from the Nineteen Kingdoms. I implore you... For the sake of the realm, ride forth 
and stop him before it's too late. Oh, a week? Oh, no rush. P.S. You are invited to my birthday party next month. Oh, there it is. About bloody time. Well, what should we do? Well, I'm going to go and buy a new hat, is what I'm going to do. Yeah, and these boots? Bit worn for royal occasions. No, no. I meant about the accursed hordes massing at the border. (sighs) I suppose we should do something about it. Hmm, don't sound so certain, will you? It's not like the lives of countless thousands depend on us. Oh, wait. Yes, it's exactly like that. All right, all right, calm down. We didn't say no, did we? Well, what are we waiting for? Well, we just kind of felt like a bit of downtime. It's been a busy year. Yeah, what with the giants and and the basilisk? Oh, and that green dragon. Oh, and don't forget the shadow elves, the Feywild incursion, the kobold raids. Or the mummy lord, the night hag, hydra triplets, the temporal filcher and the troll plague. And there was that werewolf infestation, the zombie uprising, and the abyssal salamander. And the clowns. Oh, who could forget the clowns? Okay, okay, I get it. It's been a hectic year. It's only March. Fine, fine. But this undead horde will lay waste to civilization as we know it, unless we stop that accursed priest. Fine, fine, we'll do it. Then let us not dally. The foul miscreants are but a week's ride away. Well, three days, really. What do you mean? If they're a week away and we ride towards them, or they ride towards us, we'll meet in the middle in three days. Then the situation is even more dire than we thought. I I don't know. I thought it was pretty dire. Yeah, me too. Did you not think it was dire? I did think it was dire, but not this dire. Okay, well, I thought it was exactly this dire. It doesn't matter how dire you thought it was. We need to make haste. Even as we speak, the undead fiends raise the outlying villages to the ground. Look, we said we'd do it. Very well, let us venture forth. I packed us some lunches, the winged horses are saddled. Let's show this foul priest of darkness what happens to those who threaten the Nine Kingdoms. Eh? What does happen to those who threaten the Nine Kingdoms? Well, they, uh, get killed. By us. That, that that was really the main thrust of this entire conversation. Oh, right, 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 with you. Um, you just had me um, confused for a moment. Confused? What in the name of the sequent gods are you talking about? We've been slaying evildoers for nigh on a decade. Alright, alright, no need to get upset. It was just a momentary lapse. Look, are we leaving or what? If you two don't keep derailing this discussion... We'd be halfway there by now. Yeah, I I don't think that's true. Right. I've had enough. I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? I mean I'm not going. I'm fed up to the back teeth with you two and your constant bickering. Well, if you're not going, I'm not going. Fine. See if I can. Well, I'm not going on my own. So now none of us are going. Seems that way. See what you've done. Uh, guys... What? What? We're still going to the party though, right? Hello everybody, Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. 
And wires. So many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers yes. get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. So this week, we the topic of the week, we're going to be talking about starter sets in tabletop RPGs. Because yes, we are. We have the new starter set coming from D&D, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, and we wanted to talk about other starter sets that different tabletop RPGs have. An excellent plan. All right, here's, here's a good way to start. Uh-huh. Out of all of the starter sets you have seen throughout your long and storied lives, which is your favourite? Hmm. My favourite starter set is actually the only one I've ever owned which is in my hand right now, which oh. is the One Ring starter set, which I'm just opening live on the podcast. Yes, just you haven't actually, you haven't actually opened it yet. I know, but it's the only starter set I've ever had. Yeah. I've, um, ooh, that's... <gasps> so I'm opening it up now live for the first time. So ooh. that's an inside-the-box inlay. They've got a nice... Wow, they've got, like, information on the rules and stuff like mm. that. That's cool. Ooh. Good use of space. Good idea. have got a little set of dice. Mm-hmm. There's a... Games catalogue, I think that's just an advert for other free league games, which is fair enough. There's a deck of cards. There's yeah. another deck of card things. There's maps. There's character sheets. There's books. Wow, that's pretty cool. I like that. This is my favourite. There we go. There's well, that, well, there you go. It, it does sound like it's got a lot of things inside it. Yeah. Yeah. So this costs this costs thirty five quid. Just so you know, the retail Ooh. price of that because I think yeah. this ties into starter sets a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, basically. You, you kind of ask what do people want in a starter mm. set and they'll list sort of 200 quids worth of stuff. Mm. Oh, or we'd like some miniatures and we'd like a map and uh, a rule book and uh, some handouts and mm-hmm. by, the time, by the time you get to the end of the list you spent 200 pounds. So the question is how much should a starter set mm. have? Because Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. have very, very bare bones starter set with yeah. their Vandelver. And yeah. that works, and it's a decent starter set. It costs about 20 quid, $25. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's pretty cheap. And it's designed to go into sort of like um, Target and places like that. Yeah. People to pick up almost as an impulse buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have a lot in it. And then you compare that, say, to the Pathfinder starter set, which costs a lot more, but it has a ton of stuff in it. And it has, like, cardboard standees and mats and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. So the question is, for a starter set... Yeah. How much of a cheap impulse buy with, or how much of a full-fledged this is everything you're ever going to need to play should it be? Mm. Interesting. That, yeah, I think that does depend on price point. If you are looking... Because we were ch- chatting about this at uh, the UK Games Expo the other week because um, mm. Level Up, we had the books available at retail in the UK for the first time. Mm. Um, mm. We're selling on our store uh, because all the Kickstarter fulfillment's kind of going out in North America now. And it's not really an impulse buy, because they're big, meaty books, and they're at a price point where you're like, 
getting a whole load of books but it's not the kind of thing like oh i've got 10 20 pounds on me at convention what shall i just grab for the sake of it so i think starter sets being in that sort of range is a good try because it's something a starter set i think you're wanting to try it out and see if it's something for you Mm. and you don't want to invest a huge amount of money in that so would you spend 35 pounds say 42 43 dollars on a starter set for a game you know very little about. So it's not one that you're preconditioned mm-hmm. to, you're like, yeah. oh, it's the One Ring starter set, I want that because it's the One Ring. Yeah. It's you walk past the stand, mm-hmm. you've seen it, mm-hmm. what's the price yeah. point where you go, yes, I'll give that a plug, or no, that's too much. I mean, it's 35, this One Ring one, 35 quid, 42, $43, is that in your impulse Buy. I mean, I know I'm asking someone who bought a pair of D20 earrings for £50. So <laughs> I guess yes. But, um... That was my impulse buy at the expo. That, 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 They're beautiful and I love them. Different budgets. <laughs> Different budgets. All right. Yeah. I've been, in fairness, I've been looking for something like that for a while and it was exactly what I've been looking for. So in a way an impulse, but in many other ways not. For me, honestly, I've not bought starter sets before because I've, mm. if I wanted to try a system, I've gone all in and bought the actual book. Right. Which really, sometimes you're looking at about, you know, you're looking for a, for a core book. I'm thinking I'm spending about 40, 50 quid on it anyway. Yeah, and some games like D&D, you need three mm. core books. I, I've never bought a D&D book. Never? <laughs> Not out of principle, just because I started playing with a group of friends and it wasn't really a system that drew me in and they just gave me a character sheet and kind of told me what was going on. Mm. And then mm. when we started playing regularly, a friend's like, oh, I've got a spare player's handbook here, you can just have mine. Mm. And then I've played on D&D Beyond then, really, so... Mm. Fair enough. But I think for an Im- I know I think the 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 one ring free league one that's the price you mentioned there. I think this is more of a collector's item. Right. You know, I think it feels a bit more like that for me. It's something you get because, yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like the starter set has to be quite a lot cheaper than the actual game. Otherwise, yeah. if it's approaching the price of the game, yeah. you might as well just buy the game. Yeah. Ooh. At that point, yeah. unless I guess unless you want the handouts and the trinkets that you get in a starter set maybe so yeah. I mean, if you're a collector and you want all the stuff mm. yeah I, I suppose um hmm. for me a starter set should be about a price i'd be willing to give a gift to a friend and right. I know that's hugely variable but that feels about 20 doesn't that depend how much you like the friend yeah, i guess old. it depends on how much money you have as well <laughs> i suppose yeah. yeah yeah it's so hard to say what values are in rpgs because mm, yeah. it val- it varies from different person to different mm. person yeah me for an impulse by starter set if I was at a convention, yeah. I would say about 20 quid, maybe $25 is kind of my limit. Above that, it's I've got to stop and think about that. That's assuming a core rule book in the, what, 50, 60 pound region? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So about a third. Yeah. Feels like it's worth a pump sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, talking of Van Delver, which probably is the most successful starter set ever made. Yeah. So what you've got in that box is you've got two booklets... Mm-hmm. And they're paper covers, so they're not expensive cover yep. booklets. One is a core rules book, which is I think it's sort of like about forty odd pages or so. I can't remember how big it is, mm-hmm. but it's a very it's a kind of tri- very trimmed down version of the D and D core rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the Lost Mine of Fandelver Adventure, similar size book. Yeah. Then you've got I think it's five or six um, pre generated generated characters on sheets, mm-hmm. some dice. I yep. think that's it. I think that's the I think that's the whole set. I don't yeah. think there's anything else in there. Actually, and that and that comes in at about 25 quid, I think, or in that region. Yeah. Would, and this is a question, a, does a starter set have to be in a box? Well, yeah. yeah. It's, hard to make it a, it's harder to make it a set if it's not. 
Because yeah. if you're including different things. If you're selling it at retail, I think it's important it is so the bits can't get lost and it's easier for retailers to have it yeah. all kind of together. Because mm. I got the Quick Start Guide for Slay Industries, which so, is a small book. So a Quick Start Guide is and a starter set are two different things in my mind. A starter yeah. set would include a Quick Start Guide. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the D&D one, the Lost Minds of Pandelver, it's the, the rule book in there is a quick start guide. It's in the box, yes. one of the things. They don't use those terms, but that's what's in the box. Mm. Okay. So I think a starter set needs to include that, needs to include pre-generated characters, probably needs to include dice. Mm. And I think maybe something like cards or something just to make it a little more... Make it a bit more of a game. Yeah. 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 A little bit board gamey, really. Yeah, but not too. Comes to the book. Yeah. You don't want to go super walking, but it's coming in a box. Because that's where the price. That's when your prices start to go up. Mm-hmm. Like if I bought a box which was mostly empty space and there were two books inside it, I'd be like, mm. well, yeah. well, the the Fandale one famously is quite empty, and people did note that at the time. But um, yeah. the idea was apparently that you're supposed to put your own stuff in that box too, so you're just carrying one box to and from the game. Oh. Okay. So the, that's what the space is for. Because they could have made a smaller box, but they, they right. give some space so that you can chuck stuff in there as well. I assume it works on a similar basis to Amazon, where they're like, ah, uh, it's a standard size box, chuck it in, send it off, there you go. Hmm. And obviously, like there are some rules that you cannot break. For instance, your box cannot be so big that it does not fit on a Kallax bookshelf. Kallax bookshelf being my my bookshelf that I have behind. Is that me. a Kallax bookshelf? Yes, that is a Kallax bookshelf. It's well well recognised by geeks, board gamers, and so okay. forth. So if it, it doesn't fits. fit, it doesn't fit. Then yeah. you know, you're going to have a bad time. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, we've been sort of floating the idea of a starter set for level up. Yes. Yeah. It's not something that's imminent. Or no, no. Even even necessarily definitely happening. But our kind of thoughts are that it would probably be a box. It would probably be very similar to the D&D one, mm-hmm. like a, a short upgrade rule book. It would assume that you have 5e and know how to play it. So there'd be a short upgrade rule book, mm-hmm. sort of 30-odd pages. Mm-hmm. There'd be an adventure, again, 30-odd pages, mm-hmm. some pre-generated characters. Mm-hmm. And then what else goes in it is under discussion. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're looking at prices... Because with yeah, any manu- point, yeah. yeah, so I've, hard bit, isn't it? I've contacted some manufacturers to say these are kind of yeah. So like you said, we could have some cards in there, or we could have dice in there, or we could have I don't know tokens or stuff or things like that. Yeah, but, but suddenly, the thing is, suddenly it's starting to get expensive. Then. It yeah. gets expensive when you do that, and I think like Russ was saying, we want it to be around twenty pounds. So yeah. I'm kind of contacting people, going, "What's the breakdown of the manufacturing cost of this if we want it to be mm. at this price?" Uh, to make it, how many units would we need to get? So that I'm kind of asking the question that way because normally you go to a manufacturer and say, hello, I would like to purchase this number of these books. And they go, great, mm. that will be this much in total, mm-hmm. therefore this much per book. But yep. I've kind of gone the other way and I'm like, I want to make it at this price. How many do I have to buy from you to achieve that? Right, right. And then sure. that will be the decision that we need to make mm-hmm. because if it's like 20,000, we only mm. had 6,000 backers for level up, so probably not the best thing mm. unless yeah. we you know unless target size they want to buy our books from us which you know i don't think is, is it's highly happen. unlikely but um me to tesco if it was that yeah. number then we couldn't do it mm. what yeah. about and this is like a bit of a weird idea calling back to the our previous conversation where you had the like a cardboard you know, you know like a cardboard treat like you get for 
like a like, punch board, yeah. Yes, thank you, Jessica. Mm-hmm. The, the, that is the word I'm flailing at and yeah. unable, to, unable to find. Like Two a punch years board. working in manufacturing. There you go, that's what you get. Yeah, you know what a nice. punch board is. Pro skills, man, pro skills. Yeah. Um, and just have that for the heritages. Because uh, I know we keep, I keep on circling back to it. But I really think it is such a powerful selling point because then people are like, huh. And they will instantly grab, wait, so if I punch this out, huh, isn't that funny? I could have this dwarf character i could look i could switch the gift with the um with the elf character yeah i mean i just said i i, I agree with you i think yeah. that is a way to do it mm. i don't know what the prices would look like or no, something like that. no that, that I mean, is that's the thing i mean that's i did that with awfully cheerful engine so you can get card mm. decks oh, of yeah. the roles and you can get card decks of the traits and things like that so that you can literally mm. take a role put down next to it a trait you know put the things next to each other and your character's just kind of there in front of you mm. With each of these different cards, so you can go and drive through RPG and buy those card decks right now and oh. build your character that way. And I think yeah. it's a fun way to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, your character is basically running well, in that particular game because it's like yeah. your character ends up being like the little hand of three cards. Yeah, I, but, get, um, I guess because it sort of rolls back with the making the game fun from mm-hmm. the from the second you sit down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's a perfectly great way to do it. I just don't know what the price points would look like. No, I know that no. I know that print on demand cards, which is what the awfully cheerful ones are, are super expensive. Yes, mm-hmm. like more than an entire one deck is more than an entire the entire budget we're talking about for a starter set. It's yeah, like yeah. twenty quid to print a deck of cards. Yeah, it's, you it's have really to high. do it on mass production. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to to make it worthwhile. Mm. Which means that you need a sufficient yeah. market. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think putting cards and things like that in. I was looking at the Dune starter set. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which they had at um, uh, UK Games Expo. And they've gone with the whole lavish approach on that one. I'm not sure what the price point was for it. But they've got, that. They've got uh, NPC cards and character cards and little plastic standees that you can then put the card in and make yourself an ancient miniature out of your. And, you know, it's, it's a really, really flashy, gorgeous-looking box set, which they've kind of laid out on a table there to show you all the different components of. I don't know what the price That's point not is. A, if, if it's the one I'm looking at here, it's not a starter set. Is oh, it the is it Agents not? of June box set? Yes. Mm. That's £60. Pounds. Yeah. So it's not a starter set. That is... That's a whole I, product, I think so. it's got <laughs> the book in it. Um, yeah. You get... Um, they were telling me you get an electronic version of the book if you buy... The starter set. Hmm. So that that is a thing that you could do with a starter set. Of course, you could hmm. put a QR code in there, which gives you an electronic copy of something that you couldn't fit in there. Yeah. So like oh. the core rule book, and then or something. Yeah, that's what they've done here. But this one is sixty pounds. So this again doesn't strike me as a starter set. It's like a collector's um, hmm. box set. It looks very right, cool, right. and that's why you've got all the standees and all that stuff in. Because if you're selling it at sixty pounds, then yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's like. I think this is a product, though, that if you have the book, maybe, and you really like it, mm. and you want to do stuff with it. like Because Blade Runner did, are doing a similar thing with theirs. They have um, a set which has a box full of stuff and things. It's not mm. the starter set. It's like a yeah. right, right. Kickstarter yeah. thing, which, are, which I've backed. I'm very excited about. <laughs> and it comes with all the handouts and the stuff when you're doing your investigations. But again, that's very different from a starter set, which is is... Like you say, it's a cheap price point. It's something you want to dip your toes in and see mm. if this system is something you want to yeah. invest it's in. Yeah, it's got to be kind of formulated and designed to get you up and running as fast as possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because um, that sort of, again, it's like the user experience is pretty key because the Pathfinder first mm-hmm. edition starter set was well known for being a really interesting and 
great adventure and it made it really fun to play. And whereas, it had a load of stuff in the box. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Lost Minds uh, of Fandelver, yeah. that first encounter with the goblins, you yeah. come across like four goblins, and if the GM has actually read the rules and actually knows how they work at all, yeah. and is at the same time yeah. unfamiliar with the conventions, the unwritten conventions of role-playing games, that right. is a brutal encounter. Four yeah. goblins for a level one party, that is a hard fight. Because yeah. you're looking at AC 15 tit and a bonus action disengage for free. Yeah. Right, I'm looking at the Pathfinder beginner box here. Yes. I mean, this is a lot of stuff. So, this is what yeah. you get in it. Mm. Um, you get a 72-page soft cover book that gets you started as a player with a solo adventure, followed by steps to create your own character. As your hero grows, you can then level them up through third level. Uh-huh. You get an 88-page soft cover Game Master's Handbook, which also yeah. includes an adventure and tools for creating your own adventures and monsters. Ooh. And we've got accessories. So we've got a full set of dice, four mm. pre-generated character sheets, six blank mm. character sheets, four sets of action tokens, mm. rules reference cards, a laminated two-sided flip mat, over 100 sturdy cardboard pawns. That's, that's a lot of, of stuff in that box. I mean, it's like the exact opposite approach to Wizard of the Coast. But yeah. that thing mm. will cost you $40. Right. So it's yeah. it's like twice the price of Wizards of the Coast D and D one. Yeah. yeah, but you get a lot more stuff. You get a lot more stuff in it. Yeah, and I think mm. yeah, like you say, that's the difference. Is, is one a starter set is meant to be an introduction, and the other one is more like a collector's item. So it's well, no, both of them because this is called the be- this is called the beginner box. Yeah, yeah. It's designed to get you started, and so mm. is yeah. okay. So is so is D and D. one thing I yeah. did notice about the discussion about Stormwreck Isle mm. is some people have been saying that, and these are people. I mean, to be fair, these are people that already play D&D. They're mm. complaining that there's no rules for character creation in them, in that mm. box set. Therefore, they don't want the box set. Mm. Which I find a bit odd because they already have rules for character creation. It's called the Player's mm. Handbook and they already have that. Yeah, yeah. They don't need it in the box set. The, the, the box set. That box set isn't designed for them. They might want it as a collector, but it's not designed mm. for them. Yeah. It's designed for an actual starter set. It's designed to start you off. Therefore, mm. I kind of find pre-generated characters is a much better approach than character creation rules, especially in a game that complex. I think you need a certain amount of customization, though, mm. because customization that process makes you really start buying into the character. What if you're just customizing like your possibly. identity as opposed to the stats, yeah. though? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that would definitely work. So you know it's a level one elf fighter, but other than that, you don't know anything else about that character. It could be mm. anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like maybe having... That could be a really good way to do sort of a story part of it, like asking... Mm. Uh, in the in the um, Dread, like the character creation in Dread, yeah. mm. basically ask yeah. you a bunch of leading questions, yeah. which when you answer them, is a really good way to... Go along, get start, start thinking along the lines the GM wants you to for the game. Could be, yeah. That yeah. could be good, yeah. So it's things mm, like, yeah. who here is your closest friend? Mm. Why, that sort of thing, yeah. Why did you kill that person? That's <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, getting back into dread, not doing yeah, what, what was it. Yeah, but I mean, you could say, what is the, like, you know, why did you um, abandon your wife or child or whatever? Um, Although when, when you say there. that, the, the GM is then inserting narrative into your own backstory. Because if your question yeah. is, why did you abandon your wife or child? 
Yeah. You're, t- you're telling the it's player... It's a leading that question. That's what, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. what their character did. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's like a... Your, I suppose the your, answer might be, I did, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's sort of like you're trying to... We were trying to help build a character that fits within the story. Mm. That I mean, that's what Dread does. It asks really leading questions. Yeah, yeah. And thinking of those is why it's important, mm-hmm. because then people answer those questions, yeah. and that motivation then helps them get more into character for what yeah. is usually a one-shot. Yeah. I remember one in a game of Dread that I played, one of the questions was, where did you get those shoes? And the person answered it with a short story about how they were mugged and they fought back against their mugger in a dark alley and having defeated their mugger, decided to take the shoes as a trophy. Wow. And alternatively, <laughs> the like, answer could have just been Clarks. Clarks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you also shop in the sensible shoe shop. Yes. <laughs> so, so Jess, you just posted this link to um, Dicebreaker's list of the top bo- mm. RPG box sets. I think it's, we yeah. can, we go, should we go through this list in reverse order very yeah. quickly? Oh, I okay. don't. Yeah, I don't really agree with this list already because I had a all right. Three, so, yes. all right, with, with a caveat that we don't agree with the list, should we go through <laughs> it in reverse order? I, yeah, because there's someone here that aren't. That well, some, some of them I've never seen there. before, anyway. But, exactly. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. But it's oh, cool. oh, come on. It says the first one is the Black Hack Second Edition box set, and then the, the caption is the Black Hacks box set isn't a starter set. Yeah. Oh. Oh. To be fair, the oh. title of the article is 10 Best Tabletop RPG Boxed Sets, not Starter Sets. Okay. It is so, Boxed Sets. Yeah, yeah so you, you can let them off that. They didn't claim it was. Okay. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. I'll let them off. <laughs> they do well, have let's, a miss, list. let's miss out the ones that aren't Starter Sets. So Black Hack at number 10. Black Hack is not a Starter Set. Moving on to the next one. Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars Roleplayer, Beginning Gap, Beginner Game is Ooh. one. That's Look at all the stuff you get with that. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. Um, I think something that may come up a fair bit is the map. Mm. Uh, and that's going to be a recurring theme. That sort of visual aid centres the table. Mm. Here you've got what is clearly the Millennium Falcon, although a bit rusty. Yeah. Um, you have all those funny dice that I know you love for us. Yeah. Well, Fantasy Flight Games are very well known for, I think they over-engineer there tabletop RPGs there's too much stuff too many cards too many funny dice and stuff yeah. which kind of is too much stuff for me I think yeah. Fantasy Flight over engineer all that stuff yeah like, they've got stakes in the cardboard manufacturing yeah they treat, they treat an RPG like a board game in, in yeah. sense of production values so mm-hmm. many tiny little bits of cardboard yeah, yeah. yeah. so that, that, that box set has so much stuff in it it's got maps and booklets and cards and dice and loads of stuff oh, I mean to be fair it's actually quite restrained you've got the dice you have, like, uh, pre-gen characters, mm. uh, whatever that, that thing is, next to the Millennium Falcon, probably a rule set. Got yeah. a rule book, an adventure book. But it costs yeah. over 40 quid. It's not Ooh. cheap. Goodness. It's not a cheap, it's not a cheap starter set. Wow, there you go. Okay, so that's, that's at number nine. Uh, yeah. Number eight, they've got the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit. Okay. Uh, so that came out, like, a year or two ago, I think, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, that one comes in at twenty five dollars, so that's mm-hmm. about the price range we're kind of talking. Yeah, um, I'm not one hundred percent clear what's in that one. All I can see is the box and not the interior. They got a video. Yeah, I don't want to watch a video on a podcast. That's just <laughs> that. That sounds amazing. Fun. Yeah, they got five. Oh, it's actually thirty dollars. Sorry, not twenty five. It's reduced, so it's thirty dollars. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh, it's not super clear what's in They've this got box dice, set. dice, it says. Right. You could buy the dice on their own. Mm. Yeah. Even the Amazon page doesn't tell me what's in the box set. 
Yeah, well, that's. Go show. You need a picture of all the stuff in. You the need box a picture of the next. stuff that's inside it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that, that's become very clear because otherwise you're like, well, yeah. I've been bitten it's by Lost Minds Fandelva. You're not selling me air, my yeah. friends. You're not selling all right, me Starfinder beginner box. We think of that one then at number seven. That looks like a board game size box. It's, it's got like a, a lot of stuff woo. in there. Because most starter boxes are like A4 book size. Obviously, they're thicker, but they're that kind yeah. of proportion yeah. but this is like a yeah. full-on square but, fill up a cube of your calax if you will if you look at the sheer yeah. right for, for a start this costs 40 quid it's not cheap mm. but look at the amount of stuff you get in there you've got dice you've got pawns you've got mm. cards you've got multiple books you've got mm. all sorts of stuff in there here is this, handbook games master's guide yeah mm. this looks like something that's trying to transition board gamers to play role-playing games possibly it, yeah it mm. looks like a board game in lots mm. of senses and the stuff inside feels a bit that way as well. So I think maybe that's maybe that's the audience. They're like people that play board games. Hey, why don't you come over to our role playing yeah. games? Yeah. And they they do it in a format that's familiar to them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I've seen board games that look like that. And if I didn't know Starfinder, I'd be like, oh, this looks like a cool board that, game. Yeah, have a play this. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think board gamers yeah. probably have a certain experience with production values. Mm. Which yes. maybe they would expect to see when moving yeah. over to a box starter set. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we've got the one that you like, the one ring two wee starter set, your favourite starter set, Jess. It is. There's a lot more stuff in there. They fit it in really well, actually. There is a lot of stuff in there, actually. There's cards, yeah. there's a big map, there's various books, there's loads of stuff in there. It's, all in it's quite, I, I really like it. It's got a nice, pretty, airy feel. Mm. You've got that GM screen going on. You've got like the map of the. Uh, looks There's like a the GM Shire. screen in here. God, I, I'm sorry, I'm going through this. Again. No, I don't think there is. And that hardcover book isn't in there either. Okay. Oh, so there's I've no got, hardcover. I've got the book. I've got the book. You've got the book separately. That's not in the. Yeah, it's not yeah, in, yeah. Box, not in so. this box. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's so just the stuff that's sort of on the map there. Is what's in there? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I've so got the got, map. What? I've got these character sheets. I've got those so cards. Looks like we've got a couple of setting books: the Shire and Rivendell. Mm-hmm. They're quite we've got chunky. rules, the adventures, and That's what I'm getting is one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven pre-gen characters. Yeah, it's quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a lot um, of pre-gen characters. There's, there's mm. this it's, go, it's going for like a well, red and white line art feel to it, which mm. is yeah. It's nice, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a maroon, browny maroon red. I like the yeah. pre character sheet. They've chosen a font. It's clearly printed, but they've chosen like a handwriting style font for right. the character mm-hmm. sheet, so it looks... Well, I always like that as well. Yeah. On a, on a pre-generated character sheet, I, I like mm. it to look like someone has very, very neatly written... Yes. <laughs> but much, more neatly, much more neatly than I would do it. It's obviously a font, but it's that yeah. handwriting style that makes it... Because then it makes you think, oh, well, when I do my own one later, I will... Yeah. Um, do that, yeah. Call of Cthulhu starter set is Ooh. next on that list, at number five. Uh, so it's interesting. So What's this one reason? is... They have a D20. So this was 25 quid. Yes. Starter set contains everything you need to play, books, dice, pre-made character sheets, maps, and enough content to keep a group mm. busy for several sessions. Mm. Comes packed with four classic adventures for over 10 hours of gameplay. Mm. Yeah. So 25 quid, that one. That's really yeah. good value, that seems, Yeah, actually. I think that looks like a good value to start a set. Because mm-hmm. the other ones, the, re- the other really nice ones were 40 quid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is that, like, I see I see why they cost that much. But. Mm. Yeah. But this, this one, I think, it's also got a certain amount of reuse value as well, because mm. of, like, these sort of, it's got maps, but there's sort of, you could reuse those quite yeah. easily. Yeah. And they've got nice little, yeah, it's quite a, do, 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 nice illustrations. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely think putting cards in there definitely does make a starter set a lot more attractive. 
Mm. I think I really like the tagline they've got on the Call of Cthulhu one, which is mm. Call of Cthulhu is packed full of horror, but learning the RPG doesn't need to be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What's next then? Number four, RuneQuest starter set. Never seen yeah. this one before. I'm familiar with this one. Uh, uh, looking at Amazon, that oh, is 30 quid. Apparently it's a paperback. Oh, it's just a book. It's not even a box set, I don't oh. think. Oh, that's more like. That's what not even supposed to be on this list then. But this yeah, is yeah. a list of box sets. A, a quick set. Oh, here we go. No, no, but here we go. We've got RuneQuest star set saying it's a book mm-hmm. going direct to the website. Right. Oh, wow. Okay, let me uh, whack this into the um, chat because you don't need to see this. In your chatteroonie there? I think there. it is a box because the, on the reviews yeah, it's yeah. saying, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. right, there we go. I see it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got, uh, wow. Well, there's loads of stuff con- in that. Wow. I know. Yeah, I, I would not have guessed that from the uh, pictures that they use in the thing. No, that um, has got a ton of stuff. It's $30. That is cheap. It's got maps. It's got yeah. handouts. It's got one, two, three, four different booklets. Yeah. There's loads of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a ton of stuff in there. Dice, rules, settings, scenarios, pre-made characters. But do you think it's stuff that has to have dice in it? This is what oh. I'm wondering. <laughs> this is oh. a question I've been asking myself this week while getting quotes. Um, yeah. Oh. Because if you're selling it to people who are already RPG gamers, they yes. will definitely already have the dice. Yes. But if, but if you're a, selling it to someone yeah. who's not, they might not have the dice. Yeah. Well, that, that is the thing, because, like... But, yeah. Mm. I think if you don't, you need it if it's a star set and you don't have the dice. But also, if you do play, I don't know a role player that doesn't like collecting and hoarding dice. Yeah, mm. but you're not going to put nice dice in a starter set, that, are you? You're no. not going to be shiny, sort of metal collectible dice with like floating liquid fish in yeah. the middle or anything, well, aren't they? They're going to be. That's, like... <laughs> no, that was not my plan. But <laughs> they, you they could are... have like a logo one, like the one ring ones are little. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if, it, if it's like special dice. Or even just like you know, slightly custom dice. Mm. It makes it it it's really hard to describe. But it's like when I open up the thing, I'm like, oh yeah, great, another set of black dice with white letters on. Mm. I will consign this to the horde, and they will never have any associate. I mean, I can look. I I'm thinking back. I can probably remember which dice are the ones that came with Vandelva, mm. but I wouldn't be able to pick. I I I would probably be able to work out which ones they possibly were. But if you have like ones which are like, you roll them and it says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's from that start set. They're really nice dice. I like these dice. Yeah. That is, I don't know. I mean, That's just my own personal thing. Like, don't, don't, don't yeah. bet the town on it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. Right. But no, that's, a, that's a really nice start set, actually. Uh, much so, nicer than the pictures would lead you to think. Yeah. Well, so the next one is the City of Mist starter set. Oh, that's gorgeous. That looks that very, one. very pretty. Mm-hmm. That's definitely one of the prettiest. That's thirty dollars again. Oh, it's down from forty dollars though. Yeah, yeah. So it's forty dollars, but currently mm-hmm. on sale. That's got a ton of stuff in it, but yeah. and it's all again. very, very high, full colour. Yeah. It's um, really it... leaning into the mythos versus logos. Yeah. And like that sort of comic book, slightly comic book feel that you need. Yeah. But I mean, so it's a. Here's the list: a booklet for players explaining the yeah. rules of the game. Booklet for the MC, which is the GM. The Master of uh, Ceremonies. Also yeah. containing your first case, adventure, mm-hmm. Shark Tank. Five yeah. beautifully illustrated pre-generated character folios. Mm-hmm. 20 yeah. tracking cards. One crew mm-hmm. card. Two custom City of Mist dice. Seven mm-hmm. location maps. 
on two huge double-sided foldable sheets mm. and 41 illustrated character tokens. Oh, that's quite a lot of stuff, isn't it? But you are looking at $40 for that. Yeah. I The, the presence of the tokens does confuse me. It's really not that sort of game, but fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so number two, Soulbound Starter Set. That would be the Warhammer. Soulbound Starter Set, Cubicle 7. It's like it's got dice, tokens, several booklets, a couple of handouts. i got to say, I am a bit confused by what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Because it's got a starter set, so I'm like, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's got Bright Spear City Guide, and I guess Full Dream Light, by process of elimination, is the adventure. Um, uh, let me open up, because what I am finding in a lot of these pictures on the Dicebreaker article is they're putting the game and the starter set in the same picture, which makes it confusing as to what is actually what. Yes. Yeah. So this is 26 quid. On the Amazon page, here we go. All oh, right, so it contains... No, it does have those. So, Faltering Light is a 48-page adventure. Mm-hmm. Nice. Brightspear City Guide, a 64-page guide to the city of Brightspear. Mm-hmm. An introduction to the world of Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Five character sheets. Three double-sided rules reference sheets. A double-sided sheet with a map of Brightspear on one side and the lands of Asperia on the other. Yeah, yeah. Tokens and dice. Yep. Yeah. And a handy little thing saying, read this first. Yeah. So that's um, actually quite good. Cool. That's 26, that's 26 quid. So that's not, oh, that's not that's... bad for the price. Yeah. Oh. Pretty, that is pretty good for the price. But then at the top, they've got as the king of um, starter sets, they, they are going with Fandelver there. Look. Mm. Is that Fandelver? Oh, sorry, even Fandelver. Is that Fandelver? That's Essentials. Yeah, that's the essentials, essentials set. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the essentials. Oh no, they've got both. Uh, they, they, they're giving it to both joint winners: the central set and the starter set. Oh yeah, yeah. If you combine both of them together, then yeah, you've got yeah. a really good. So uh, Fandelver, right? Looking at Amazon right now. If you combine now, both, yeah. Right. So Fandelver is fifteen quid. Right. Fifteen. Yeah, it's fifteen quid. Oh. So this I think it's down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, we've already covered what you get inside it. We, we already know what you yeah. inside it. But it's kind of it is kind of bare bones, but it is fifteen quid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, it's sold gangbusters. The the essentials is quite nice actually. That's a lot more in that one, isn't there? There there is a lot more in that one. Um you've got a series it's very hub and mission based. Mm. So you go back to a hub. Uh Sly Flourish has some excellent advice on how to combine the two, mm-hmm. uh, which I think would really make it shine. Yeah. Because Fandel was a little bit linear and like I say, there's problems with encounter balance. Essentials, um, you have the sidekicks as part of that, mm-hmm. which is very nice. Mm. I do like those. I've tried them in play, actually. That's quite good. Uh, and it's got condition cards and lots of little magic items. Mm. Um, so I think it's sort of a... I, I, I don't know. Like, the essentials, I would say that's a starter set. How much is the essentials kit? Uh, that's a good question. Let's have a look. The essentials kit is mm. £20. Okay. so that's £20 like, for that, £15 for the starter set. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. £35. That's very good. Mm. But I guess that's because mm. they're D&D. They can keep the prices so cheap because the volume that they print. Yeah. Mm means it's really easy for them to keep the price down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but you, you, you would then have to go to a third... I mean, I feel like we're sort of entering a bit of deja vu in that, yeah, the stuff's nice, but you have to go to a third party to get advice on how to bring them together, or you have to do an absolute ton of work to do so. I, so, yeah. I ran Fandelver, and I didn't find it that bad. I didn't have to do a ton of work. It was fine. No, no, to... Yes, but... To run Fandelver... And essentials at the same time, you would have to do work. Run Finding Delver on its own is fine, hmm. unless you're an inexperienced GM who runs Goblins Has Written, in which case you may accidentally murder your level one party. 
like especially if you get a crit then okay. like yeah I could see that there's a lot of stories online of we we tried to run Lost Minds of Fandelva <laughs> Goblins killed my party because um, it's yeah it's a hard encounter I think I think it's generally regarded very highly as a starter yeah yeah but once you get going once you get going it's quite a fun story I, I've definitely enjoyed running it there's lots of like little bits and pieces which make it you know fun I, I did have an issue with some of the names like there's a kid called Carp in it why would you name your kid after a fish but different maybe cultures. he looks like a fish why a wouldn't you name your kid after a fish which fish are you named after <laughs> <laughs> who gives kids a bad name apparently you <laughs> well Sorry. maybe Hello. Hudson's a fine name Hudson's an excellent name Hudson is not a fish. It's a river. Hudson is. I suppose. Yeah. Hudson is more more the space marine than the river. I think. He has much the same personality as the space marine. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there we go. That's the list. Anyway, that's the list of ten starter sets. There you go. So, what are your feelings? Okay. So, if you out of nothing, you want to pick up a starter set for a game you've never played before. Yeah. Yeah. What is your feeling about a how much you want it to cost and b what you want it to be in it? And don't say I want it to cost one pound and it to have uh, a million pounds, <laughs> a, a million pounds worth of stuff in it. Realistically, yeah. what 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 would what would be the thing that would get you to buy it? Yeah, the things that are causing my wallet potential financial distress would definitely be the Warhammer set mm-hmm. and the RuneQuest set, like those. So you like them fully packed. Like a lot I guess of stuff I there. do, yeah. And they just they just looked really interesting mm. and it looked like you could get a lot of mileage out of them. And I thought there's just something about them. It felt like you could dive you, into it. And those being priced at around the 40 quid price point, is that an okay price point, do you think, for a starter set? Well, because you get a ton of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, and it, it really, yeah, I, those ones that spoke to me, I admired the one ring starter set because it's got a really strong aesthetic mm. yeah. and I, I really dug that but it felt almost like it wasn't meant to be played with does that does, like you, you just oh, went to play you it well, it's, it's almost like, too pretty you want, yeah yeah you don't yeah. want to get it dirty you want to keep your filthy Cheeto stained fingers away from my starter that's set why you, that's why you have to buy two you see <laughs> yeah. oh, you have the nice one for show and then you yeah. have the one that you let the players do yeah yeah uh, because like I feel that the Shire would look less nice with the um Big coke ring on it mm. or something from when someone incautiously yeah. placed their drink. What about you, Jess? Well, I think if a book is like forty, fifty pounds to buy for like the the main book, if I wanted to try it out and not commit to that, mm-hmm. which I, every other time I've just bought the book, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like uh, if I didn't want to commit to that, it would be something around the twenty pounds, maybe up to thirty pounds. I'd be willing to send, spend on a starter set because mm-hmm. I want something that. If I try it and I don't like it, I'm not too annoyed at the money I've spent. But equally, if I do like it and then I want to go and buy the core book, I don't feel like I'm having to pay again for more information. What would you hope to see in that starter set then? So I would want some pre-made character sheets so I can just kind of get get it and go. And also they're examples for teaching me for later if I invest in the the system, I'd know how to make them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd want a quick starter guide that has like a whistle-top stop tour of the rules. And I'd want an adventure in there so that's something that I could run through. And an adventure that's been designed for people that are new as a GM and as players. Mm. So something that's friendly in that way. 
that's what I would definitely want in there. I think the other yeah. things are kind of shiny bonuses, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, so but, everything but, but, but else... Do they tempt you, though? Do, they, do the shiny bonuses sway you? Um, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but in honesty, like I said, I'm not a person that's bought starter sets, so I pers- maybe not the person that's looking to that. Mm. But I did really appreciate it when I opened my one ring and there were those custom dice in there. That made me go, ooh, nice. So they do sway um, you, then? Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't purchase this. Yeah. So I was yeah, given yeah. this. Yeah. They, they improved your experience. Uh, it did improve, gave... my, improve my experience. So I think those extra things can improve it, whether that's mm-hmm. dice or a deck of cards, you know, something mm-hmm. else in there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So here is a thing. Mm-hmm. QR codes to help you level up your. Character. I was about to say that. You read my mind and stole my idea. I did, and also uh, things like you get like a starter adventure. But maybe there could be more of the adventure path available online. QR codes. Putting QR codes in the starter set. I think that's a so great So it's idea. like, did you like the stuff? Great. Also, Here's a way to keep going. QR codes to explanatory videos. Yes. Some people like those, yeah. In the book itself, yeah. I think. Like, you've got, you've got a section in the book telling you how to do, I don't know, a, a, a skill challenge of some kind yeah. and a QR code next to it where you can do that and watch a video of someone explaining the same thing but different mm. people taking information in different ways. That's very true. Yeah. That's actually quite a good idea. It's an excellent idea. I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad you're able to work off uh, my idea for us. That's, that's great. The idea that you stole <laughs> straight from no. my head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think the QR codes are... Yeah, that's yeah. a plan. Mm-hmm. Right, I think we've covered starter set in more detail than anyone in the world has ever covered starter sets. <laughs> it's official. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please, <laughs> Here please. first on is an official tabletop RPG tour. You do, but please Booyah. do write in your thoughts as well, just for my market yeah. research thing, mm. as I'm currently yeah. looking at potentially making a product like this. It'd be really useful to know what other people think. Mm. Yeah, I already know what these possibly, two think. Possibly making a product like this. I, I think it's... I'm excited <laughs> by the idea of it, so I'm kind of, you know... Yeah. If well, you've never, if you've never played a game of Level Up Advanced Fifth Edition, yeah. and you like risk coming around your house and run it for you. Wait, no. Um, if you, if it, what, 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 if you've never played it before, what would you like to see? So what for would me, help you out. So for me, right, because of what Level Up is, mm-hmm. it's slightly different to other games, and that mm. it doesn't really make sense to me to have a starter set for an advanced version of a game that already exists. Mm. So, okay. I, I'm thinking I probably wouldn't call it a starter set. I call mm. it an upgrade kit. And I would say, right, you... Mm. And it's going to be pitched to people who already have 5e. Mm. Yeah. And otherwise, we're just selling a D&D starter set, mm-hmm. um, which is not what we want to do. Someone, Somebody yeah. already does that way way more efficiently than we can do it. Yeah, cheaper than we and can do it. Yeah. And it's official, yeah. Yeah. So mm. it would be an upgrade kit. And, and the, mm. the pitch would be, you know how to play 5e. You've been playing it yes. for a while. This is how to upgrade it. So it would have like a 30-page upgrade booklet, which would mm. tell you some of the differences... It would have some characters carefully chosen and designed to very much highlight the differences in a character from Core 5e. So it would be like a fighter and it would be like third level or something. So you could, so it would have time to get into the meat of the character and you could see some maneuvers on there. And so they go, Oh, these, these combat maneuvers look nice. So I'd very carefully choose the characters and design them to showcase different aspects. The half elk, half elk. The half, half elf. elf, yes. <laughs> yeah, we call them the half elk. Uh, no, the half elf, half orc bard, mm. actually, because I saw the level up uh, yeah. starter set characters. And I was like, hmm. So I do that. So you yeah. have an upgrade book. Yes. 
Uh, so it's like you, you'll need your five ebooks. You'll have an upgrade book. You'll have an adventure, which is very carefully designed to cover some of the new stuff in level up. So it'd be like a, an exploration challenge. Yeah. It would be a, a combat in a place which showed off world actions and gave people chances to use maneuvers and things. And uh, maybe something else. So off the top of the head, I can't think what. Chariot race. <laughs> Chariot race. <laughs> so the adventure would be very carefully designed to show off those mm. things that were different to Core 5B. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of mainly what it would be. I mean, yeah. again, you could put bling in there. You could put dice. You could put cards yeah. in there. And then maybe they yeah. could make some magic items. Because you can. Yeah, or maybe that. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's what I would do. Mm. I would, yeah. So I think I'd go with an upgrade mm. kit, not a starter set. So yeah. I think a starter set doesn't really make sense for what the product is. According to the upgrade kit, does actually make it sound... And it's still is a starter set. It's just a different yeah. approach to one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I like it. Well, I guess that's the thing. With Level Up, you're having to do new things, think about new stuff, and doing stuff in a new way. Because yeah. the number of people are like, is this a supplement? It's like, yeah. no, not really. But, but also, an upgrade yes. kit would be the perfect thing to sell to those people that are saying, well, what's the difference between 5e and Level Up? You know, should I spend 150 quid on these three big hardcover books? No, yes. buy this upgrade mm. kit for 20 quid. Quid. It'll pretty much tell you some of the stuff that's in store, mm. and then hopefully you'll like it enough that you will then go and buy the hardcover books for the rest of it. I think that's the way I would go about it. It would be a stepping stone. Yeah. There we go. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we had this conversation. We may or may not <laughs> produce that product. We'll see. <laughs> Keep your eyes I'm on this space. <laughs> Okay, but we should probably wrap up now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right then. All right, that's it. Thank you, Frank. Thank you for listening. All right, let's go. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Um, there's also a chapter uh, interacting with myconids, which are like fungus people. Oh, they sound like fungus to be with. Yeah, that's a good old joke, that one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did they? <laughs> oh, actually, I've angered Jessica. <laughs> but we'll just wait here while you laugh at your own joke. Let us know when you're done. Uh, Russ, you can't really say that as we were recording the sketch the other week and you laughed so badly there was no edit without you laughing. And the line of you laughing the line out was actually in the final edit because that well. was the best Daryl could do. <laughs>